It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the best the sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved with the blues. Oh, what fun it is to see Everton win away. The Blues winning on the road at Christmas time. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, go to the King Power against the side. Being tipped to challenge for the title. Being tipped to go top of the league again tonight in pretty much all the broadcast. And Everton went there and spoiled the party. And then some 2-0 winners. Uh, wonderful goal from Richarlison. Wonderful goal from Mason Holgate. Uh, joining me to reflect on that. Mark Mosey and Rob Vera. Dave Daly will join us whenever he gets here, uh, which will probably be just towards the end of the show, knowing Dave. But uh, Mark made up with that, mate. And we started saying before we came on, I think it's one thing to do put in a performance like that against Chelsea. Um, it's another thing to put in a performance like that against another team, equally as talented, equally as dangerous on the road. Uh, a few days later at this time of year, um, with our two fullbacks injured, with our best midfielder going off midway through the game, our most creative player out. Um, finally, this Everton team looks like they're learning how to adapt. Yeah, it, it, it's strange how we've got here as well. I think we we obviously had that run of games that looked pretty favourable. Uh, if you were to ask any of us at the back end of those games, how would Chelsea and Leicester go? I don't think many of us would have would have looked too positively on that. But the obviously the injuries that fought into this four centre-halves at the back has, has very much worked. Uh, I think the the attacks that we've come up against in terms of uh, Chelsea and Leicester's sort of relatively narrow front freeze 
have, have definitely benefited those those four lads at the back. Um, but nevertheless, I think we're, we're looking at two games where Everton have got a pretty clearly defined game plan. Uh, you, you can you can totally see, especially tonight, that the idea is to stay solid, stay strong down the core of the side, and to be dangerous on the break. Um, and, and we know that we know that Everton can do that with players like Richarlison. We know that we can cause problems from from set pieces uh, and uh, against one of the sides that concede a, a lot of goals from set pieces. So it was always going to be a major area of, of difficulty for Leicester tonight, but. I think tonight it, it just stunk of a, a classic Everton away victory. The, 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 the rare times that we do get these games, and we had one a few years ago at Leicester when, when Morales and, and Lukaku scored, where it, now and again it just you know that the plan is, is so refined and so evident. Um, but everything just seemed to, to fall Everton's way tonight. I mean, obviously the offside late on, um, the, the pretty, pretty poor decision to make a challenge in the box from Andre Gomez was was luckily not penalised mm. but they are ultimately the fine margins on which football exists nowadays and for once it's nice to see Everton fall on the on the sweeter side of them. Yeah uh, Rob we're two points off the top of the table again now so is, is the title back on? Oh absolutely I, the title was never off in my heart man <laughs> I just want you to know. Um, look uh, we we talked during during Everton's I mean, recent dip in form because these games have been coming so thick and fast about Carlo Ancelotti seeming like he was maybe a step behind in terms of, of being responsive in terms of what, you know, he needed to do with the, with setting up his 11. Um, I think he was trying to figure out a, the best way to cope uh, given the injuries to Coleman and Dean. Um, and and I, I don't, you know, sometimes, uh, um, you know, sometimes uh, they say, uh, what is it? Nature's something is the mother invention, or what? I, I'm totally blanking on. I'm All just the words are in there, mate. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. So I, I think what's been interesting is that people will say, "Wow, you know, he's we're, we're starting four center halves back there," but. I would probably caveat that by saying that, yeah, but not in the way that, that maybe that traditional sort of uh, framing would, would would suggest. I mean, this is not David Weir and Alan, four David Weirs and Alan Stubbs back there. Uh, this is two more traditionally, uh, you know, dominant in the air center halves flanked by two other, you know, guys who play center half, but let's be honest, um, whatever they may lack going forward uh, to a degree, Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey are not going to be beaten for pace in most cases yeah. by, by really in the league. Uh, and, and so in that regard, I think that you actually, I think it's hard not to argue in the competition, given the fact that you've just now taken uh, two of the two of the three or four highest scoring sides in the league and completely neutralized them. Um, and, and I should point out, um, you know, when I say neutralized, yes, we're talking clean sheets. That's important. Uh, Lester had a lot of shots today, but they only had two shots on goal today. I thought the defense was dominant. This is this is also a culmination of the midfield, frankly, being more accountable defensively. Uh, I think DeCore was my man of the match today, but not yeah. really for anything he did going forward. <laughs> Uh, what he did as a holding player, uh, especially uh, rising to the occasion after Allen went out. So, look, Everton have – I said before that, that Everton I, – I had more faith in our ability or in Carlo Ancelotti's ability to fix the defense. I think we've begun to see that in the last couple of games. And I, I think that's really what's going to be needed to get us through 
uh, these fixtures and get us through uh, to Dean's injury, uh, you know, Dean's recovery period. But uh, it's hard to argue with the results. I'll take this lack of possession and, uh, you know, the meager scoring if we get results like these. Absolutely. It's a sort of, it's a sort of football you've got to play at this time of year at times, isn't it? You've got to grind it out. You've got to be hard to beat. You've got to not concede goals and, and just get through games. Uh, Dave Downey, just join us now. Uh, how are you feeling after that, mate? I was feeling great, Matt, until I got a message off you saying we'll begin on the final whistle. But then you didn't realise the final whistle is different for everyone with this bloody stream and shit. This tremendous Imagine he just finished. By the way, I didn't even. I just. Do it, when you, I just. When you, we do so, do you know what we do? So many of these podcasts where everyone's down in the dumps. So I'm just itching to get going and get talking about that great performance as soon as possible. And I'm sure our viewers and listeners want it as soon as possible as well. With that in mind. It's quite ironic that your stream probably finished first, given you've got the worst internet known to man as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, it's caught me on the hock, to be honest with you. Um, I had to go and throw a comb through what's left of me here. So, uh, yeah, feel a bit <laughs> feel a bit rushed. But, yeah, the adrenaline's <laughs> pumping, Matt. I mean, if, you could, if there were two results that you'd not expect, even in the context of the first one, we got at Chelsea, it was these two, because I just did not see this coming. Um given that we looked like we were on the bones of our backsides, didn't we? Uh, in, in all the build-up to the Chelsea game, the, the poor run results, it, it just felt like the season was sort of meandering a little bit and we were in that sort of no-man's land where we were all second-guessing and thinking, are we going to have anything to play for after Christmas? But given the nature of the table, it's officially the tightest Premier League there's ever been. Five points separating 10 teams going into tonight. And uh, we've taken full advantage. And I just tweeted there, I'd have taken six points from this month, let alone these first <laughs> these first two games, the way we were playing. But I tell you what, Matt, what a mature performance by every single player on that pitch. And Rob's just given the core a man of the match there. You can you could pick well, you could pick probably all of them, uh, apart from the goalkeeper who didn't have that much to do. And even he looked solid as a rock when he was with his distribution, his catch and all that sort of thing. He he's been really impressive the first two games we've seen him, by the way. Um but I, my man of the match go, and I never thought I'd say this in a million years, Alex Awobi. Um, I, I thought his ball Fantastic. retention today yeah. was absolutely superb. He ran the ball up the pitch. He made the simple options. He, he did things that I didn't think he was capable of doing. And that is remaining composed in possession and choosing the right pass. His decision-making for me uh, is, it, well before tonight in the last couple of games would be regarded as atrocious because he gives the ball away so much and you never know quite what you're going to get. But this now we can genuinely regard as a, as a good run of form for him. I think it's a good four or five games. He's really nailed his colours to the mast and put his head down. And I think a lot of people sort of doubted his, not his allegiances, but his commitment to this course. Um, maybe even reluctantly gets a go in the team from Carlo Ancelotti when other players are out. But I tell you what, he's shown a lot of what I didn't think he had and that goes for Gilfie Sigurdsson as well. I thought he was superb. Won the ball back. Was, was the Gilfie Sigurdsson of old in terms of that running ability he's got? In terms of the engine, he was chasing everything down. And we've got a back four that just looks impenetrable right now. Um, and and that's, that's maybe something to do with the fact we have four centre-halves. Uh, I thought Michael Keane was... Um, yeah, impeccable again tonight as well. You know, it was his best performance in Everton top, uh, and he's had a few. Let, let's face it, he's he's been good for I'd say a large portion of his games in Everton. He has he has his moments, as we all know, but um, he looked every bit of captain to me tonight, and and Alan did. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this pitch, thinking, "Wow, we've got some leaders in this side now." You, you see Alan barking orders at everybody. We've seen it from Godfrey. We've seen it from Keane, meaning as well as standing up. 
just a fantastic attitude that we've seen develop in a time of crisis. And you know what? We, me, you, and Paddy Boyland on the on the subs weekly earlier this week were talking about elements of a David Moyes side in what we saw in that Chelsea performance. Tell you what, I think we saw even more throwbacks to that tonight in in mm. terms of the defensive display. The line we played. I mean, how many years have we gone to Leicester? and played high line, and it's just been bread and butter for Jamie Vardy to swallow up. Um, this was perfect. It was flexible. It dropped deep when it needed to. It moved up when it needed to. And I tell you what, I think it was a better performance than the Chelsea one, and I think that's the best I've seen us in an away game for a long, long time. Yeah, and Rob, I know when I speak about Michael Keane there, you sort of gave me a funny look, because Yerry Mina was also good. I will give you a chance no. to, to, wax, to wax lyrical about him a little bit later on. Don't you worry, my good friend. No, 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 no. I, 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 first of all, don't I, you're 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 uh, you're like my wife in that I think you know my looks better than I'm comfortable with you knowing them. Um, that's, that's really scary. When, given the, when it comes uh, to Everton, uh, anyway, mate. Yeah, uh, the same no, no, no. I want to be very clear. My my uh, my my look was certainly not any derision of Michael Keane. Look, Michael Keane and, and Yerry Mina have been fantastic. It's just there was so so much skepticism about their ability to even function together. But start counting up Everton's wins this season and look who the central defensive pairing has been for all those games. And and uh, you know you can point to individual mistakes here and there, but they've been really. I don't know what else anyone really wants at this point from Yerry Mina, but I. I I, uh, I think they've both been great. Michael Keane was fantastic again tonight. Um, both, by the way, I'd like to point out too, both, I think, coped really well with Jamie Vardy. And I think that was, that was the, the thing that I think a lot of people were rightly scared of because Jamie Vardy looks good against everyone on some level. He's very dangerous. But they both were very physical with him. Uh, Jamie Vardy, kind of like Giroud on, on Saturday, looked really frustrated and looked like he was pushing and shoving with Mina. And he just, I, I don't think those guys are fun to play against right now. And I think that's a good thing for Everton in the back, back four overall. Yeah, I think, well, I can't remember him, but it was ironic enough that the, the chance he got was not the one you'd expect him to get. It was a header crossed into the box. There was no real moments where he got played in at all. It was there raced onto a passport. Uh, I, I don't know if you wanked in the comments on uh, YouTube, actually, Rob, because we've, we've had a lot of nice things said about you. Uh, Jeff saying, Vera does us yanks proud. Jay Pat, Vera is so handsome. Uh, got us... <laughs> Jim Jim Mace saying, got to say, great to see Rob Vera. Thought the guy has a good grasp of EFC and the Premier League. Um, have you got all your family members on this watching no, this story? I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know who these paid Russian bots are. <laughs> uh, oh, you know. There's plenty going round after the election, Rob. Yeah. Hey, look. Hey, look, whatever I lack in football acumen, I try to make up for in handsome commentary whenever possible. So, yeah. yeah, but just just um, during the game, though, I, I you know I was texting you, Moses, and sort of saying that got to about 55, 60, and I was, I was saying that it reminds me quite a lot, this game of last year. It, you know, it's almost a, a year exactly, isn't it, when we went to the King Power, and we went 1-0 up through a, a Richarlison goal in the first half that day, haven't played all right. And the game... That day, I remember just meandering a little bit in the second half, and then Leicester made some changes and got a grip of it and, and scored the equaliser and then scored the winner later on. And I think it's probably as much as we can be critical of, of the manager and uh, for what, what's happened in some of the, the games recently. I think it's it felt like today like a bit of a yardstick and a measure of how far this side has actually come under him and the improvements we, we've made under him because. I think at times when the game did look in danger of getting away from Everton and Leicester were building up momentum. Somebody made a really good decision with the ball. Somebody won a free kick. Someone like Alex Iwobi carried the ball forward at a really important time and got us up the pitch. And 
it just felt like we, we managed those moments where, you know, you think back to, to, to that game last season and certainly times with the Marco Silva where Everton let the match spiral out of control a little bit. It feels as though when we get into the situation now where we go one goal ahead, then we, we do a lot better. And I mean, you know, 10, 20 times better job of managing, managing games under this manager than the previous one. Matt, 12 months ago when we played Leicester City, I was on your stag do that weekend. So if you're going to ask me about <laughs> of that football match, then don't even get me started because I was absolutely nowhere in that game. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Last year, we, we probably conceded the exact type of goals that you expect to concede at Leicester. We, we were a football team that fell into traps. Uh, and in the last couple of games, we've looked like a more robust and, and resilient side that are a little bit more screwed on in that sense. I don't think we're going to concede the the classic Chelsea goals where they play intricate pieces of football on the, on the edge of your box and then work an opportunity. We're not going to let people like James Madison play a slide rule pass in between the fullback and the centre-half, allow Jamie Vardy to run onto it and slot it past the goalkeeper. We've we've conceded the Leicester City goal far too many times to, to yeah. teams not not solely restricted to Leicester City. Um, I think the thing that really benefited us tonight was the fact that we, we were forced into that sort of flatter and deeper four at the back because you don't allow those types of passes. <laughs> I think the the reason that we're looking at people like Michael Keane and Yerry Mina having a good game against Jamie Vardy, which would have been previously totally unheard of, is the fact that they're not getting consistently isolated. And I think what you what you lose out on from losing fullbacks like Seamus Coleman and Luca Dean in their sort of attacking prowess and their ability to get involved further up the pitch, you actually benefit from having that solidity at the back and that connection between centre-half and full-back. And as much as that's a little bit restrictive in terms of going forward, that, that's not really an issue against Chelsea and Leicester City because it allows people like, who Dave has already mentioned, Alex Awobi. I think the issue with Awobi often is that when you've got someone, for example, like Luca Dean on the overlap and going round him, and then you're very quickly asking Alex Awobi to track 40 yards back and cover him, and then a few minutes later, get back up the pitch. You you kind of dilute what's good about his, his game, and and you you kind of stretch him to to a point where, to be honest, he's probably not good enough to handle. Mm. I think if you simplify his game and ask him to play out wide in midfield and say, well, we're not going to ask too much of you defensively because Mason Hallgate's going to do all of that for you. But when we get the ball, we will on it. We want you to be professional. We want you to win things when it doesn't look like we're going to get anything out of an attack. And I think when we've allowed him to focus solely on those sort of more beneficial parts of his game, we've seen him really come to the fore. And I appreciate that the game at wing-back was probably an anomaly there because we are asking so much of him. But I think when you when you solely ask him to do that wide midfield role, you get so much more from him. But I think... Everton consistently, and we said it so often last year, and and we pointed mainly at the centre of midfield when teams were cutting through us, and it seemed as though we were consistently going four v four, five v four, going back towards our own goal. I think what 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 you do benefit from obviously a a, a more physical central midfield with Alan and 
and in particular have the like the core eight tonight or certainly that flatter four even if it does mean playing deeper even if it does mean setting up on the edge of your six yard box at set pieces which which Everton bizarrely look fairly comfortable doing <laughs> you've got to play to your strengths when you have got those four centre backs and I think playing to your strengths is something that Ancelotti really focuses on it's part of the reason that we see Everton's personnel and in particular their tactics change on a weekly basis and as much as that screams instability on the face of it I think if you can go a little bit horses for courses and and be flexible enough to change your tactical approach depending on what you're going to come up with and in particular with Jamie Vardy tonight then if it allows Everton to nullify, nullify threats like they have done the last couple of games then I think I'm all for it. Yeah, and I think you're right in regards to the defence and how well they did. But you know, we've we've mentioned them very briefly. I'll come to you on this one, Rob, because you know, in, in one of the group chats I'm in, you you were praising them. You you have already on on the show. The core, been a little bit hit and miss over the last few weeks. Certainly, you know, struggled a little bit of times with the use of the ball. Not really seen the best of him since that Brighton game. But today, I think the first half he was very good. Um. In the second half, with Alan not on the pitch, it felt like he really stepped up and was the boss in that area of the pitch in midfield for us. With Andre Gomez having a bit of a difficult time, it's probably fair to say. Yeah, and I, I think we've we've all kind of exhausted ourselves with the hypotheticals of what this midfield looks like if you've got Alan Decore and you know a more traditional holding midfielder does that accentuate their strengths more etc but uh, I think we're all gonna have to be keeping an eye on our alerts for the prognosis on Allen uh, to see how bad this this really is um, because Decore's play tonight was I think typified what Dave talked about in regards to what we've seen the last two games which has been 11 guys all on the same page, all working for each other, especially mm. defensively. There's been such a heightened focus there. And Ducure seemed to really be the standout for me tonight in terms of being the guy who, you know, got that key recovery, got the, you know, was in the right place at the right time. He seemed to really view what happened uh, with the loss of Allen as, as he played like it was a, a challenge essentially for him to kind of step up in that role. And in that regard, he's got it in his game. I think a lot of, a lot of them would probably argue and Decore would too, that he's probably, you know, he probably feels better if he can get forward a little more more, et cetera, et cetera. But you like knowing that you've got a guy who is so capable of doing those things that has the attitude of, I will do whatever for the team right now. I think that that's why guys like Godfrey and Holgate playing where they are and, you know, kind of quote out of position uh, and yet still finding ways to excel and finding ways to view it as a challenge is, is really good. Uh, but, but Decore was, was fantastic tonight. Um, I think the only thing I'm worried about with him playing in a more uh, defensive role like that is that I I believe like Alan, he is on four yellow cards at this point. And so, you know, we're just, we're, it feels like in December, every year we're talking about riding <laughs> that wave of, you know, being close to a suspension, having a weird key injury, et cetera. I, I half expected Tom Davis to come on tonight uh, in that yeah. moment. But um, I, I think if Alan is out for any substantial period of time, uh, it, it's, it's really going to be incumbent upon, you know, any, central midfielder in the squad to have to step up in what will likely be some sort of unconventional role uh, and have an attitude like the attitude that we saw Decore display tonight. Confessions from Pitch and Forge. 
Most people come because there's so much to do, but I come for the peace and quiet of the mountains. And the go-karts. Oh, and the bumper boats. Those are fun, too. The best part? That's tough. Mountain coasters were cool. The water slides were insane. But the pie at the old mill was epic. Confessions from Pigeon Forge. Visit MyPigeonForge.com to plan your trip today. Yeah, I think it's it's that it's that next one up sort of attitude, isn't it? That that was really impressive. You know, Alan was very much the general in their first half, and he was doing really well until Dave jinxed them on Twitter by saying how good the game he was having. Um, but the core, David, you know, it's I think it's it's that sort of thing that we wanted to see from him, isn't it? We all know he can carry the ball forward and score goals, but he was billed as a box to box player and someone who could do a little bit of everything when he arrived at the football club and you know the, the recovery tackles, the one at the end of the first half, which was obviously vital after we just lost Alan and we changed the, the midfield a little bit. And then there's another one in the second half, wasn't it? Very similar when he <laughs> gets a foot in as well. Um, that's what you want to see from him, isn't it? You want to see that that midfield that, that whenever he whenever he played against us for Watford, you go, God, he's a nightmare to play against him. He's he's horrible, he can do a bit of everything. And He's not done it probably quite enough so far in his Everton career, but the uh, last couple of games there's been much more positive signs. I, th- I think he's got a lot of intelligence to his game, almost almost too much really, because sometimes I look at him and think, why is he in that position? Um, why, why is he turning up over there? We clearly need him in a different role. I think that comes with an education of who you're playing for as well, uh, and your teammates and, and the manager, of course. But he's a manager's dream, I think, Matt, because you can ask him to do these very specific roles on the pitch and he can turn to his hand to them really, really easily um, as opposed to a more rigid player in, in, in like a Sigurdsson who yeah, I love the glass of wine uh, the pinky was up there as well um, uh, it, it will sort of <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the will so you know you've got to, got to drink like that. <laughs> it feels as if someone, you know you compare him to someone like a Sigurdsson I'll tell you what Mark Moses got some five o'clock shadow as well I'm wondering what's going on with you boys he's normally clean shaven I don't Mate. know what's going on I don't know if you've ever watched an Everton away game on telly before, but you've got to wait. He it five minutes into the match. Look at it now. Um, yeah, on, on, on the, with the core, I, I do feel as if you can ask him to do a variety of roles in the midfield. And you looked at where he was popping up in this game. It was everywhere where you needed the fire putting out. If you get what I mean, so if if it felt like we were exposed, I think a couple of times Harvey Barnes got the better of Mason Holgate. Wonderful player, by the way. I'm a big fan of Harvey Barnes, um, and he'd be there. He'd be the man running over to cover, um, and and sort of go shoulder to shoulder with him, and just basically give the rest of the lads that much time to get back. I felt we did that really well today. We broke the game up where we needed to, whether it be a foul, whether it be winning possession back at the first time of asking. Um, and he he was he epitomised what needed to be done. I mean, I was I was in, almost in tears when Alan went off, not because of the shame of the tweet, but also because our best player on the night had been had been taken off with a what looks like maybe a serious semi-serious hamstring injury. But the other man I have to congratulate as well, Matt, and I think it is a night of and we have this from time to time, don't we? When players have been poor, but redemption. And I thought Andre Gomez when he came on stood up. And he did exactly what was required. That this performance tonight, I don't, I, like I, I disagree with you there. I don't think he played very well. Uh, I, I just, I, I thought he kept everything simple. I looked at him at times, you know, and it's probably a mark of the confidence that he had initially when he came in, where he was trying to nutmeg players, he was trying to turn them and set up counter attacks and things like that. I looked at him tonight when he came on. I thought he did a really responsible job. 
I thought when he got the ball, he kept it simple. He'd feed it into the full-backs rather than look for you know, an elaborate pass inside or down the line or try and find Calvert-Lewin. Um, I was I was really I was shocked. I think uh, Rob made the point about Davis. I thought he probably would have been the go-to substitution for Alan, uh, just given the way that the game was going and it was about putting your foot in and trying to break Leicester's flow up um, when we went one 0 up. When Gomez came on, I just thought he played a really disciplined role. There, there were occasions where he was knocked off it. There were occasions where the pass would go straight. But by and large, when you've had such an influential performance with a player like Alan and then have them taken off, you know, it's it's probably there's any conceding a goal that's worse than that, I think, in a game if your man of the match goes off injured. And we're looking at a player in the context of his season and his time with us, who is at his lowest ever. I think it's it's fair to say I think he's in a really low position in terms of his mentality towards possibly even playing the game after the injury and you sort of look at his career and you think, what's next for Andre Gomez? Because he seems in a little bit of limbo. I thought that was a really confidence-boosting performance that he can work on and, and perhaps become a starter in that midfield. I think he has to. If uh, if Alan's out for any length of time, we are going to have to put our faith in him. And I thought that was a big step in the right direction tonight. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, I think you probably play on Saturday, weren't you, now, in that regard anyway. Um, just, just before we wrap up... Um, Sort of forgotten about it amidst the defensive masterclass from a lot of the lads tonight. But Richarlison getting on the score sheet as well, Mo, is dead important for him. Um, some ridiculous analysis on the stream over here when it comes to his game and the way he plays. And I believe it's carried on after the match as well. I've not seen it entirely yet, but I've seen a lot of people mention that Phil Neville's had some misconceptions about him as well. But um, I, thought, I thought his first 10 minutes was absolutely shocking. He couldn't control the ball. He gave it away. He looked like he was carrying on from, from Saturday again. And I think after he scores, he gets, gets a lot better. Uh, second half in particular, won a lot of free kicks. Uh, one right at the end, actually, where he just knocks the ball past Christian Fuchs and he just, you know, wins the foul and, and you know, gets us a minute and gets us some time to breathe. And that'll just do him the world. Good. And I think you could see that immediately after he'd netted, albeit it was a shocker from the goalkeeper, it felt like there's a bit of pressure lifted off his shoulders. How much would you hate him though if he didn't play for Everton? Oh, massively, massively. Hate so. him now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need you need players like that though. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. You take that. You take all the bullshit he brings away, and you're not left with much. Are you? It's part of his game. It keeps him on the edge. Yeah. Well, speaking of bullshit, I thought the the media narrative was definitely alive in the first 15, 20 minutes because. I thought Charleston was going to have to get drop kicked to win a free kick. Um, as, as much as as much as we know the game that he plays, um, most attacking footballers in this league play that game. Uh, and I think the decisions that were getting overlooked by Lee Mason, um, I, I posted on Twitter that you could kind of see the look in the referee's eyes just to check who it was that was going down before actually making a call. Um, so I think that that was a that was a disappointing, if not predictable, element. Um, we said this after the Chelsea game, Matt, in that there's so many, on the face of it, negative elements of Richardson's game that I think we're just going to have to buy in as as part of him. Um, he's he's a great player to have when you are leading a game, in particular away from home, because despite his lack of years, he just knows how to get you over the line. He knows how to be mature in those circumstances and keep the ball and win free kicks. And generally, just be a horrible person, and that is something that Everton have lacked for so long. Because pre Richarlison, if we were to go into games like tonight and and nick a goal and go one 0 ahead, then the narrative is usually that we don't win those games. 
uh, as it's not solely on his shoulders tonight, his attitude and his mentality and, and what he is instilling in this side as the seasons go by are the reasons that we are able to, to pull results like this off. Um, so, so long may that continue. But yeah, I, I think it, it's vitally important for him, the goals. And as much as you, I think as supporters, we see what he brings to this side, both going forward and importantly, and on, on many occasions back towards his own goal. And I think we look at the goals and think, well, if, if they don't come for you, and it's, this is easier said than done when Calvert-Lewin's banging them in, but I, I personally don't think that important for a Charleston to consistently score because he offers so much more. Um, that said, obviously, him as an individual will we'll totally disagree with that. Um, and ultimately, we need goals to come over the pitch. And, and we've seen that he can do this on a consistent basis. What excites me about it is that this season looks like mirroring last season slightly, whereby it's a relatively slow start in terms of goals for the first 11 or 12 games. And then he really hits good. He tends to do this against the bigger sides as well. So if we have got Arsenal and City coming up, it would absolutely surprise you to, to see him get on the score sheet. And I think as much as, as, much as you probably learn this season on the whole, but I think more closely this festive period, as a time where you'd probably, in an ideal world, like to try and drop him out for a couple of games and and rotate purely in terms of preserving legs and and not sustaining too many injuries. But I think what we've learned from him over the last few seasons, a, is that Everton can't function without him um, in, in terms of gaining points. Also, the fact that he's not a player who looks like he either enjoys or needs that as a break. And I think that that sort of resilience is is one that only Everton fans know. I think from the outside looking in, people probably think he's quite flimsy and and will probably get 25 games. But I think we know the character of this lad now. Um, it, it expands over the whole course of the season. But I think in the in the very short term, under a micro, under a microscope like tonight, you can see the fit that having actual warriors has. Um, and despite the, as I said, the young on his shoulders, he's he's absolutely essential if you want to pull off results like this against the bigger side. Dave, yeah, sorry, I was I was just going to say um, the diving thing, the media narrative, and, and and stuff like that. That's purely pulled in the wrong direction by refereeing, poor refereeing as well. Because no sooner did I put it on social media that he'll have to essentially be knocked out in order to get a free kick. That was based on the, the challenge by James in the right-back area, which was a blatant foul. Um, and uh, Lee Mason literally waves it away. He doesn't just say no. He's like, you know, both arms and all that, like, as in, I'm never giving you a free kick for that, yeah. mate, even though it's a foul. Uh, I do think we're entering dangerous territory with him because it will dictate things because of the refereeing standards in this country. And Clinton Morrison said, no, it's not a foul uh, also, which, you know, if, if it's any other player, I'm absolutely convinced. That's Jamie Vardy goes over there. Clinton Morrison saying, yeah, that's a foul. Um, there's, a, there's a deeper issue here, and it's incompetent refereeing. Now, a lot of people replied to me when I said he has to be knocked out in order to get a foul, saying, well, that's his own fault. No, it's not. It's his own fault in terms of triggering the incompetence of refereeing decisions, simply because refereeing should never ever in football be done with any sort of context in mind 
if the referee sees a player, regardless of whether the you know every single week they're diving and rolling around all over the floor, he has to referee that looking at the decision on its merits, not who it is, not the way they've gone down. Is there a, is the contact? Is there a foul? Yes, blow your whistle. Not is it Richarlison? Is it Sadio Mane? Is it Mo Salah? Is it other players that throw themselves about every week? I'll make my decision based on that, or I'll let it sway me one way or the other. It's incompetent refereeing. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers in, in the mid-90s, Duncan Ferguson, come on, a hybrid. I think a lot of people might remember this. And you see the linesman, marksman, <laughs> now, put two fingers in his eyes and point to Duncan Ferguson whilst the referee's looking at him, as if to say, make sure you keep an eye on him because basically he's a bit of a bastard. And, and I think we're entering territory now in, in refereeing decisions that, firstly, players won't receive protection when they need it. And he'll be targeted even more with the theatrics. Now, the thing I need to underline with this is the theatrics I can't stand. The, you made the point about it, the foul he won towards the end of the game. Matt, I actually thought he could have kept going there. And he goes down, clutching his stomach. I thought he was through on goal if he'd have carried on running there, but he decides to take the foul. I, I don't like him for that. I'm, I'm one of those fans who, who wants him to stop the sort of Neymar esque throwing themselves on the floor and staying down, you know, throwing their arms up in the air. That's fine. If he keeps performing in a blue shirt, I don't give a toss if he does that or not, or if he's winning free kicks where he should win free kicks. The problem I have is, and the only issue that he's done wrong is, he's got poor referees judging these decisions, and, and that is what will be dangerous, I think, for certain players like that. Because, yes, they'll try and win free kicks. Yes, they'll try and con referees. But there'll be serious damage done, and they won't even get anything for it. And, and I feel as if it's going in a really nasty direction, all this. So... Yeah, Richarlison will throw himself on the floor all the time. I wish he wouldn't. But the referees who are officiating these games need to look at the challenges, not the people involved. I think the only thing I would add on Richarlison, you know, without devoting uh, another 30 minutes to um, the, the poor level of officiating that has cursed this sport and really drug it down for the better part of the last decade or so, is that the narrative around Richarlison has a lot of really strange uh, biases, prejudices, things that people probably don't want to admit to themselves about how it's framed. And, and, and I would say on the one hand, where I disagree with Dave is that I agree that ideally you would like for referees to not look at the name on on the back of the shirt or or have you know not have any context but they're they're human beings too and they you know players develop reputations they are what they are. I think where I have an issue is that the reputation that's been built by Richarlison <coughs> to me is completely is is in many ways unfounded. Um the quote you know, looking for a foul, the rolling around on the floor, those sorts of things. You know, the top six sides are littered with those guys, and they're called really smart professionals for, for finding ways to, quote, draw fouls and to, you know, to create advantages of their own accord uh, by using their brains, et cetera. But when Richarlison does it, it's it gets back to basically a, a bad outdated joke about South American players or about Brazilians. Uh, it smacks of a sort of soft bigotry to me that I'm really tired of having to talk about in the way we evaluate players or. See Gabby Agbonlahor up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, 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 and the other part of that too is if for Charleston, 
a player who is not only an incredible attacking player, who's actually having a down season goal scoring wise, but everyone recognizes what a, what a brilliant attacking player he is. This is a two way player. This is the best, most responsible, most, uh, most, um, in, you know, industrious, whatever you want to call it, defensive forward in the league in regards to getting back. If Richarlison was a white English guy, they'd be building a statue of him right now, and he'd be playing for he'd be playing for Chelsea. So I I'm I, I'm sorry, like I, I I understand some of it. I understand that it would be really nice if Richarlison never went down and blah blah blah. But he does all of the other things that elite players on on top six sides do that don't get nearly the stick for it. Um, you know, I, the the current title winners built built their their kingdom on two players who dive in the box yeah. constantly never get punished for it and the way that Richarlison gets punished for it is frankly the the ability for this narrative to continue to grow and for referees to then have their own kind of built-in excuse for never giving him fouls I counted three times tonight where Lee Mason stared straight at the situation tonight and it would have been a foul in any other time but he's he's you can't tell me that that the narrative about Richarlison isn't in the back of his mind of course uh, Players on those top six teams get that call all the time. And that's the bottom line. And that's why it's got to stop. It's just, it's just so basic. It's the most basic of, of things when you have to maintain professionalism in your job. That's essentially what it is. It's being unprofessional because you're letting the outside sources infiltrate your mind on what decision you make. How many of us in our jobs would, would do that? And secondly, how many people in our jobs individually if you were to do that would face disciplinary action for it i just think it's so pathetic that a referee can't do that a referee can't spot an incident and think doesn't have to think like rob says there oh look at that that's richarlison going down again never a foul that or it's probably not a foul that when he hasn't even assessed the decision himself Man United will be sniffing around Chelsea's Richard Olsen when they see how many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do, do you know what? Like Jack Grealish gets that, that, that stat gets brought out all the time about him winning the most fouls of anyone. And it's spoken about like a positive thing. Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. know, he, he, you know he, he maneuvers the ball so well and he's so clever about how he uses what his body. What a clever. Yeah, Clever is the word that's used for players like Jack Grealish. And when Richarlison does the same thing, it's. Oh, you know, insert Brazilian uh, generalization yeah. here, insert, uh, you know, lack of maturity, insert any, any, any of those things. And the again, what's the difference between those guys? And, it, and I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not saying it's all that, but I'm saying that it's somewhat that. And I, I'm just kind of tired of it. Mark said there, Rob, that it's a shame doesn't track back. And that was in reference to, some of the commentary yeah. over here from Clayton yeah. Morrison. Who... I saw that on Twitter. I couldn't believe <sighs> that, that people had the audacity, especially when there are metrics to track these sorts of things. Uh, I mean, my God, he leads the league in tackles among forwards, doesn't he? I mean, I he's don't missed three games. People... He's been out for three games as well. Uh, he's, still mile, he's miles ahead of everybody. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. If again, if this were an, if this were an English player, everyone would be talking about what a hardworking you know, over here in America, they call him a hardworking blue collar, you know, throwback player. But when it's when it's a Brazilian player who doesn't happen to play for, you know, what is traditionally a glamour side, this this kind of 
this is so, it's just lazy analysis. Dave, you called it that before. It's just lazy, lazy punditry. And, and it smacks of something that's more bigoted than it ought to be. And, and, and it really needs to stop. It's gross. Well, the funny thing was, um, our mate Clinton made a point out of a wall be switching sides with him, saying that he was the real workhorse. I and, that that. He, I... and that he was put in that position to trail James Justin. Uh, and that's why they made the switch. Not not any sort of attack and emphasis there. I, we had Howie over here on our broadcast. It was the same weirdly sort of analysis of, well, Ancelotti's brilliant for switching them. And I think he was switching them for, you know, he he had a tactical reason for doing it. I think he was trying to open up Richarlison a little more, but it wasn't this, but but there was this comment that, well, you know, because Richarlison doesn't like to get back. I'm like, are you kidding me? No one likes to get back like Richarlison does. It's insane. Well, just, just the final, final thing on this, Neil Michaels in the, uh, the comments has said, Phil Neville, on Amazon after the game, said Richarlison is good in August when the sun shines. Sun shines once it gets cold, he disappears. You think of the players? Are Phil you Neville's, kidding me? Look <laughs> at the players Phil Neville's lined up. This with. is a former. Oh, sorry, Dave. This is a former Everton, former captain of this football club as well. Who's played? Who's played with some of the best continental players our club's ever had, by the way? And yet he's willing to throw out that lazy stereotype. Um, I mean, I can't stand have- Phil Neville. I mean, I, I can remember loads of December games that he was great at. I, I can't. I can't even do it with this, yeah. you know? When you just can someone please? Now. Matt, I, I don't count Charleston's winter goals. I was just going <laughs> to say, next time you're on with Matt Cheatham, do please conduct that experiment of what Everton South American players are like in winter compared to summer months. I want you to go from, when's the, when's the summer solstice? Uh, I, want you to, <laughs> I, want, I want you to go from then. This isn't a conversation. Do you know what? This hey. isn't a conversation I thought I'd be having coming on Tobar and Everton win at Leicester. When's hey, the summer solstice? Hey, Mark, oh, wasn't wasn't Richarlison's big game against Brighton on Boxing Day a few years ago, where he like where we saw? No, his it, was, time- yeah. it was in October. That wasn't it. I think it was in October or November. But that's just before the clocks went December. back. Yeah. 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 That's packed next week. Where Matt Cheatham says to you, "Is there anything you want me to research?" And you're like, "Oh, I'll just yes. Richarlison." <laughs> <laughs> I want the average rain, average rainfall in October. Um, yeah, okay, you know, in the snow. Does it change just, when he wears thermals? All that stuff. I just got a metal image of David Stonehenge on the summer solstice with a stopwatch. Right, start it now, lads. <laughs> start counting the goals. <laughs> oh, right, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Just to finish off, uh, how many points are we going to win the league by, Dave? Are we going to win it by? Yeah. Because we're going to win it by a mile, aren't we? Now, no, I, no, I think in a, in, a, in a strange twist of fate, we'll have it done before the spring, just to shoot everyone in the face who hates uh, South American players doing well in the winter. Uh, Rob, what about you? Well, I think my bigger question is: Are we going to allow for the Reds to sort of tag team our celebration parade uh, in Liverpool uh, next summer? Like, no. are they going to insist on having one too? Or you know, how's that no, all going to work? No, fuck, fuck them. They can do. That. I'd, have it, I'd have them doing it together. Oh, <laughs> that, that's enough from you. Um, <laughs> there's not worse. There's not worse than they. Than in their minds and Everton shared an open top bus with them around Queen's Drive. Right, I'm going to mute you now. Uh, Mose. <laughs> is it City away? Last game of the season? I think uh, it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll kind of I think we got Spurs and was it Spurs and City the last two games or something like that? Right there as well. So the, I think the points tally will start to slow down and we'll just nick it on the last day with a stereotypical summer Richarlison header. 
lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, well, well, Al Seguero, them in that sense, last minute, last gap, love, love all that. Uh, but in all seriousness, great to have Everton back to winning ways again. Uh, of course, we're building up to that game against Arsenal at the weekend, which is fascinating for so many different reasons now as well with them struggling again tonight. Uh, but yeah, cheers to Mark, cheers to Rob, cheers to Dave. Uh, really enjoyed that. Thanks very much for watching on YouTube. Cheers for listening as well. We'll be back again later in the week. Speak to them. to get your glitter on then head to worlds of fun grand carnival from july 23rd through august 7th for a larger than life shimmering celebration join the spectacle of color a dazzling parade of floats performers music and beads that sweeps across the park and take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark save over 45 percent with a carnival bundle which includes admission parking and three food tastings only at worldsoffun.com Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.